If you want to get rid of all the ads, just choose the David McWilliams Plus option on Apple Podcasts and you'll hear us without any clutter or noise or ads. Lovely, John. Beautiful. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? It is time for the podcast. 15 love. Oh, John, my tennis career. My tennis career. How is your I tennis I am practicing career? backhands, forehands, underarm serves. The whole thing. Juice. <laughs> No, it's, uh, do you know what has been very interesting? You forget that the last six weeks since Christmas, the weather has been fantastic here. It's hardly rained at all. Yeah, yeah. And as a committed tennis player now, out in my... There's no getting away from it. There's no getting away from it, but it's been amazing. But yes. Out in your off-whites. Well, off my mind, though, yeah. No, I'm I'm more a gassy, you know, (laughs) of all sorts of things. But it's complementing my footballing career and the the knees are are holding up. It's actually a very... You should start, John. I should. It's It's a really nice game. Yeah. Like, we'd be worse than useless. But I hear that you have a new challenger. He's just out of prison. Oh, Boris Becker, yes. Boris Becker. <laughs> Bonking Boris, as the Brits used to call him. This is the man who went into a cupboard in Nobu in London, a restaurant with a Russian model, and came out with a pregnant Russian model. Oh. And they had a kid together. Did he really? Yeah. It's the he Boris- kind of lost it. He was the pinnacle of tennis and sport and Boris all Becker won Wimbledon when he was 17. Imagine that. 17. Second career as a commentator, and he wound up in prison for... He wound up in the cupboard. (laughs) He wound up in the cupboard and in prison. Divorces that cost him a fortune, the whole thing. But he's out, and he is... uh, Challenging Mr. McWilliams. He's challenging Mr. Becker, or was I, Mr. McWilliams? No, but it's... uh, It'll be my summer. You know, as we go into spring and summer, I'll be a tennis player, and I'll be baseline, John, and you'll be, you know, and then we'll be, it'll be fine, and then we'll take up garden bowls. That's about the, <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. that's where we're headed, isn't it? It's exactly. You know, my granddad played garden bowls for Ireland. No way, really? Yes. yes. Wow. Robert McWilliamson. This is where we're all going to. God, it's a very time. We're, we're kind of getting to the garden bowl stage of our career. Yes, just everything Twilight. slows down. So, uh, and you have that like, <laughs> commentary. And then it's stuck. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a very fine garden bowls 
club in Black Rock, not very far from us. Yeah. So we're probably about the age we'd qualify. My mum got into Boule in her Country later Boule years. Country or French Boule? Oh, French Boule, of course. South County really? Dublin. Really? <laughs> Is there Boule in South County Dublin? Oh yeah, up in Cabinteely, yeah. It's great, actually. It's, it's people going up for the natter. What about the game they play down the country where they fuck the Boules down the road? <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. They also play that in, in Croatia. They play being a balote. Same kind balote. of deal. Is it? Yeah, yeah. It's a little court, long yoke. Right. And the whole idea is to try and nudge the ball beside the other ball without hitting it. Oh, right. Yeah, so, so that's, so, that's so, more like um, garden balls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea is to get the ball beside the other ball the without, jack. Hit, yeah, yeah, without yeah. hitting it. And of an evening, I have to say that I have graduated. Onto the balotte pitch With in Sarah Croatia, wine. exactly, <laughs> and say, "I swear to God, it's not touching it. It's not touching it." Anyway, anyway, we are going to talk about serious issues, John. We are actually just before we do, I want to ask you because I was reading there in the paper there last week that there's a new head of the World Bank, AJ Banja, is his name. Yes, yeah, a yeah, Sikh. yeah. Yes, so I believe, and I was and just, a man I've met. Okay. A man I've met. I did a, what a few events like? for MasterCard. He ran MasterCard, the credit card company. Right. And uh, they have a huge operation here in Ireland. Mm. And they asked me to come and give a talk to them. And I sat beside him. Really interesting. Very civilized guy. Very, very brilliantly educated. Like a lot of those, if you meet those really well educated Indians, they are so sophisticated. They have such extraordinary knowledge. They have such extraordinary sensibility for the arts, for culture, for history. Mm. You know, and you kind of forget that when you're dealing with Indians, you're dealing with a culture that's 4,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like oh, yeah, the, the yeah. whole, the, the craziest thing is like the Brits said, oh, we're going to bring civilization to these people. Their civilization predated Britons by thousands of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, we, we see for the caste system and everything, but the depth of... Culture, history, religion, their food, their cuisine, everything in India is phenomenal. When you when you when you meet Indians outside, I'm always intrigued by their points of reference. And of course, for the head of the World Bank to come from India is completely right. But, because it's a development bank. But that's what I was going to ask you. Remind me what the, the World okay. Bank so does, the world, as opposed to the IMF. Because so we the hear world about the bank, IMF all the okay, time. Okay, so there's a thing called the Bretton Woods Conference after the Second yes. World yeah, War, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Largely the brainchild of Maynard Keynes mm-hmm. on the English side, the British side, and a guy called McKinnon on the, George McKinnon on the American side. Right. And their idea was, like, hold on a second, after the Second World War, we need to reset the world. We cannot have this system of finance. We can't. And the amazing thing of the Bretton Woods system, do you know who wasn't invited to it? Bankers. Right, yeah. No, they yeah. Said we were having yeah, no yeah, bankers yeah. because you guys are actually, you've skin in the game, right? Yeah. You're always going to change. And we're going to actually talk about that in, in a few minutes with respect to the land capture and land grab here. Right. So two or three events. So the, the World Health Organization came out of it mm. to try and promote yeah. health across the world. And again, it has had amazing successes, the World Health Organization. Uh, the IMF came out, the International Monetary Fund, which was based about lending to countries yeah. to try and prevent what were current account 
crises in countries. Yeah. And the World Bank is another one came out of it, which was ultimately all about the United Nations is the big one as well. Yeah, came yeah, out of that. Yes, of course. Th- of course. Those, 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 those years. And the the World Bank is lending to projects in developing countries. So one of the problems for developing countries is a lack of capital. Mm. And another problem is that tend to sometimes have kleptocratic governments. So the capital that's in the country ends up in Swiss bank accounts yeah. or did end up in Swiss yeah. bank accounts. So the World Bank is this idea that they will lend at preferential interest rates with money originally lent by the United States in various different shapes and forms, special drawing rights and all these mm. unusual instruments they have to enhance development in the developing world or mm. the global south, as we call it now. And, and that's and, what the World Bank is. Yeah, yeah. And and when you say preferential interest rates, how did that operate over the last few years when there was zero interest rates? Well, yeah. But so, I mean, in, in the past, in developing countries, because of the high risk in developing countries, mm. rates of interest were very, very high. And so rates of interest were prohibitively high. So they couldn't get access to capital. So the World Bank's job was to try and give them access to capital. And that capital came from? From the United States in the main. You know, so right. all the shareholders of the IMF. So every country adds a little bit to the IMF. Except for Cuba is not a member of the IMF. It's opted out of it. And some other countries have opted out. But in general, the vast majority of the world is members of the IMF. And is it as powerful as it used to be? Uh, or is it well, influential? The, the interesting thing is you can take, there's two things. It's like everything in global economics comes with ideology. So there is an entire subset of largely the left who believe that the IMF is a as they would say, an instrument of neo-colonial occupation. Yeah. In effect, I think this is kind of wrong. But I do think what happened to the IMF, and it's interesting, is that they adopted what was called the Washington Consensus in the late 80s and early 90s as the way in which they would operate their lending policies to countries, yeah. which was in effect to do what the Americans say. Yes, and that, yeah, was, yeah. That, 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 that ultimately came with a bill. And the bill was that the public sector would go in lend and the private sector would come in afterwards. But a lot of people on the left said that this just simply opened up developing countries to rapacious private sector creditors. And there's some relevance in that. There's no right. doubt of that. Yeah. On the right wing, the World Bank and IMF come under huge pressure. So they're, they're enemies of right and left because the libertarian right, particularly in the United States, yeah. thinks that they are instruments of socialism. So the socialists think they're capitalists. <laughs> and the right. capitalists think they're socialists. So they must be doing something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the end of it. And, and what, do, what do you think AJ is going to bring to it? Well, I, I think that, you know, it's very, very important to have somebody... I mean, you've been to India, I've been to India. Mm. You know, if you spend any time in that country, particularly if you're born in that country, you know, you have a sensibility towards the plight of the poor because you're from a very poor country. Now, it's interesting, the chief economist of the IMF, a, a woman called Gopinath, is also Indian. So what you're seeing in in a lot of institutions is the Indian takeover of large global institutions, which is accurate because it has the biggest population in the world. It took over China three months ago as the biggest population in the world. And I think what we're going to see over the course of the next 50 years is the Indianization of the professional classes all around the world. And that's quite an interesting observation. It's something I've noticed, feel I have. Yeah. So in the last 20 years, traveling around, listening to people, looking at some great literature, some economic literature, what you see is an increasing amount of Indians in very, very prominent positions all over the world Mm. in various areas, which is only right. 
Mm. And well, I even think, just look across the border at the UK. Yeah, exactly. In, and I think politics. the Chinese would have done the same if China was an open country. Yeah. If China was a democratic country, there would be a highly likelihood and much better representation of Chinese people in large global institutions. But it's not a democratic country. So there's always a sense that the Chinese individuals will be stooges of the Politburo. Yeah. So that works against them. And the Chinese have always said, well, look, you know what? We're not really that enamoured by your way of doing things. We do it our own way. Mm. But I think the Indians are much more the coming force in the global economy. Much, much more. And I think the Indians will be to the 22nd century what the Europeans were to the 20th century. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's why I, I can see that. I, yeah. it, that's that's my feel. That's the feel I have. And they they bring something to the table. Yeah. I mean, it's, and they also bring a, 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 a you know, sort of a, a Buddhist sort of vibe to the table. They bring a Hindu vibe to the table. They bring a Sikh vibe to the table. They're related, as the Chinese are, to some sort of Confucian ideas. So they think differently to us. Yeah. And I think that's very important. Well, it's interesting that the, uh, what I was reading is that the focus of the World Bank now would be very much on the, the green agenda, which is a good thing. Yeah, so I mean, what they will do oh, is... So, anyway. they will do is they'll probably finance companies that have green issues. I mean, you know, most people will say that, and this is this is this this is the white man's outsourcing of the guilt of climate change. Mm. People say, oh well it's not us Europeans, there's only so few of us in the world. It's really up to the developing world to get their act together. So it'll be interesting to see, I think that's a that's a source of great conflict at the heart of the World Bank, because people in the developing world will say and legitimately well hold on a second. We are only now developing. We are mm. now, and we need to burn fossil fuels to do that. We need to yeah, generate the yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah. And now you're telling us we can't do that. But the World Bank, these are important institutions, even if they're only symbolically important institutions. And uh, I think, great, great to have a Sikh, great to have an Indian there. Why not? Good stuff. It's far better off than having like some French bureaucrat, which was the case in the past, or some yeah. British guy, which was the case in the past, you know? who don't have any feel for the World Bank and who come also with colonial baggage. Well, absolutely, you know, yeah. You know, so better to have a person of colour in the World Bank, I think, than, than a white person. Agreed. Okay, let's get into land capture and all that kind of good stuff after this. Cool. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Now, enough of that wishy-washy feckin'. <laughs> Woke stuff, Johnny boy. Let's get right down. <laughs> Hitting the nail on the head as always. No, what I want to talk about is what I call land capture, right? Again, we're back to this. It's not a bugbear of ours. It's actually the single most important issue in almost every Western country. Yeah. Which is yeah. the provision of accommodation at a reasonable price to people. And fixing those issues. And this was a, was a big train coming down the track for many, many years. And, yeah. and we haven't addressed it. Well, we haven't addressed it. We've, we've ticked around the, uh, at the margin. So land capture is this extraordinary situation that economists refer to, which is a trick, which is when people who own land sit on land. So the easiest way to make money, almost free money, is the following. Buy a piece of land then look for planning permission and our zoning on that piece of land. Mm-hmm. Wait until the zoning is given. What that does is it straight away increases the value of the land. And it can be, in some cases, 200-fold, 100-fold. You're talking massive, massive change yeah. in the value of the land. Sit on it. Then go to the bank and say, look, I have this piece of land. It was worth 100 grand. It's now worth a million. Will you give me cash against that? That's collateral. So it's just like, it's like having a car loan with yeah. collateral, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And the banks say yes. So straight away, the land hoarder, because they're not owners, they're hoarders, has not only, at the stroke of a bureaucrat's pen, increased his wealth, the hoarder's wealth, but by going to the bank, he can actually do what I would call the alchemy of finance. The alchemy of finance as a general rule, going all the way back to the Romans, is... <laughs> as we do. As we do. All the way back to the Romans, is how do you make liquid an illiquid asset? How do you turn an illiquid asset, like a piece of land, into cash yeah. to spend it without selling it? Yes. That's the key, without selling it. If you can engineer that through the finance capital markets, great. That's what's happening all over the world. So you don't even have to sell the land to get wealthy. You just have to leverage and then, of course, what you do is you rinse and repeat. Yes. You do this yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, like, yeah. This is what's happening. And if the state stands back and does nothing, what happens is house prices go up, land prices go up, workers work even harder to save, and the drone class, the landowning class, and I call them drones because, you know, in the bee's nest, John? Yes, yeah, yeah. There's the worker bee yeah. and the drone. Who doesn't want to be a drone? Sitting around having a smoke, checking out the queen, all that sort of stuff, getting the other lads to work for you. The drone class sit on land and they rinse and repeat all the time. This happens in every country, not just Ireland. This is happening all over the world, right? And what it does, it means that the land is captured. Yeah. Right? It's captured by vested interest. And therefore the vested interest's addition to the economy is lobbying, right? So they don't make anything. There's no innovation. Yeah. There's no technological progress. We talked about last week, we talked about lights and innovation, electricity, yeah. Yeah. And 
beeswax and Fibonacci and all that stuff. There's none of that. You're just a drone who gets rich by lobbying bureaucrats. This is this is akin to colonialization, actually. It is. It is. It's not quite the Congo, but it is. Yeah. Yeah, but you're you're taking over a piece of land and you're extracting value from it. Yeah. You're cozying up to the bureaucrat, and what you pay are lawyers, real estate agents, and lobbyists. Yeah. To either change the law, to agitate for you and to influence the process. But what it does, if you think about land, right? Nobody made land, right? It's there. It's a yeah. natural, it's an yeah. element. It's like the four elements. It's yeah. air, land, water, and fire, right? Okay. Can you imagine if we were doing this to air? If we were actually privatizing air and saying, you know what? Yeah. I just got owned this and you're going to have to buy this off me. And I'd say that's a, coming down the tracks too. But it's a crazy <laughs> idea, you know? It is, but it's a crazy idea. When you think, when you strip back land, is of nature. Mm. Nobody made it. So the profits from land speculation are absolutely windfall gains. Now, if those windfall gains only go to the individual who owns the land and not to the community that actually fosters the land and makes it valuable, because land is not valuable in and of itself Mm. unless you're going to be a farmer. But what makes land valuable is everything that's on the land. So trains, buses, schools, other people, shops, cops, fire brigades, ambulances, all those infrastructure that create value, they're all paid for by the state, which in effect is you and me, the taxpayer. Yet the rewards for the state rezoning the land go explicitly to the landowner. So the individual gets everything. Now, what does this do? This creates the incentive to rezone, get planning permission, and not use it and sit on it. Yeah. So what's the evidence of this? So this is the allegation. Yeah. Right? We have yeah, yeah, yeah. Blood, the allegation from the court <laughs> is, what is the evidence? The evidence in Ireland, but you can do this all over the world, yeah. is the following. From 2013 to 2022, there were, in Ireland... 220-odd thousand planning permissions granted for homes and apartments. Okay? Okay. In the same period, only 121,000 were built. Half. Half. So basically half of the planning permissions and the rezonings that have been issued are not being used. Now, why aren't they being used? Because they're being hoarded. It's so obvious, right? Right. So what you have is a crazy situation. I'll give you another statistic, right? Dublin local authorities last year alone granted 62,247 planning permissions for individual apartments. That's out there, granted. Right. Last year alone, only 3,899 were built. And a further 14,423 are under construction. So add those together, it means that out of a total figure of 62-odd thousand about 18,000 are either built or in construction, which means that less than a third are being acted on. That's outrageous. This is exactly what's happening. So this is what's happening. So basically the land bankers, land hoarders, are getting these permissions, which is revaluing their portfolio, okay? Yeah. So they're banking that. They're not doing anything. And and, and are are they not building them because, you know, we come back to that old argument of, well, there's not enough workers. Bullshit. Go on, explain that. It's bullshit. It's 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 an argument that we believe, but it's not it's not true. 
They're not building because they don't want to build. Now, so for example, if you think of most contracts, John, if you and I sign a contract, right? Yeah. There's usually a stipulation that party A, David McWilliams, will in the next three months do what he says in the contract and give party B, John Davis, X, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a time in every contract. I mean, sure. You know, time is money. Yeah. Benjamin Franklin, great expression, right? Time is money. So almost every contract that everybody ever signs with anybody, you do something for there me, are, I do there something. There are terms and conditions, yeah. But they're usually time. Yeah. There's no time on this, right? So basically you get the planning permission, you do nothing. You just wait and you wait and you wait and you sell it on to somebody else. Now the reason they're not building, it's much easier to sell than to build. Building's hard. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just, why not you just speculate, right? So that is what's happening all over. So the land remains idle, but idle but valuable. Yes. So idle usually suggests to you that it's... And, and with the value going up as well. The value going it? up and up and up. And of course, when they just they sit there and the landlord generates capital gain. Mm. Meanwhile, the poor worker has to work even harder to save even more to get the same yeah. land. And of course, then what happens is land prices go up. Something dramatic happens to the size of apartments that are on a plot, which they fall. The specifications get worse. The materials get worse. If you yeah. think about it, right? Like, why are Irish apartments always jerry-built? You can hear the fellow next door, right? Yes. Because yeah, the yeah. price of land is so expensive that the price of materials has to be much cheaper in order for the whole thing to make yeah. profit, right? Yeah. And then, of course, what happens is only big landowners can afford to buy plots as prices are rising. So small builders get elbowed out. So the SME builder, gotcha. yeah, the SME yeah. builder, so the backbone of a lot of the Irish, and to a degree, lots of other countries, because mm. construction's always a big part of it, has always been small builders, you know, three or four men operations, five men operations, building a few houses, a few apartments every year, right? Those guys are all gone now. So you're saying, like, in, in, one of the previous arguments as well in this whole area was the fact that, oh, there's a problem with the, with the planning authorities and all that kind of stuff. So you're saying it's not necessarily an issue with planning per se, because Planning permissions are being granted, I'm being granted all yeah. over the place. Yeah, I mean, we've always had a problem with NIMBYism because it just annoys us, right? Yeah. But as a general rule, what's actually happening is the planning process is delivering little pieces of paper that says you can actually build here. Yeah. Those little pieces of paper are dramatically increasing the price of that land from what it used to be, right? That yeah. is then being used to substantiate and in some way make concrete the wealth of the landowner. And if they want money, they just go and borrow against it, okay? Mm. But what it's not doing is it's not creating any building. And the building it is creating are very large construction companies. So you're getting a concentration of construction right. in yeah, the hands yeah, yeah. of a very small amount of very large companies. Now, who lobbies this government? Very large companies. Yeah, That's what they do for yeah. a living. So what you have is a sort of a very strange situation where the small builders are gone, the large builders come in, the price of land is the issue. Now, do you know how much Irish land is actually built on? No, no? tell me. 2%. Right, okay. 2%, 2%. of Irish land right. is actually built on. The CSO figures. Even more bizarrely, you know, grassland accounts for 59% of all land in Ireland. Right, okay, yeah. So nearly 6% is grass, right? And even funnier, right? In what is termed urban areas, according to the CSO, urban areas yeah. that would suggest building, half of all lands in urban areas is agriculture. What? That doesn't That's make sense. Island. I know, it doesn't make sense. 
right? <laughs> so what you have is this crazy situation where we have loads of land in Ireland. Mm. We have loads of planning permission given. We have rezoning given, but it's not translating into building because only half of the planning permissions are being built on because of land capture. Right. And the reason land capture is a problem is all the wealth associated with the land goes to the one individual who owns the land and not to the community and the taxpayers who make the land valuable. So, okay, what do you do? What, what kind of government do you... You said earlier that the, the state is, is not intervening. Well, the state is in Ireland, right? The state in Ireland has intervened. So in 2021, it introduced a piece of legislation that says 30% of the upswing in land values associated with planning permission and our rezoning will go back to the state. Mm. But in great Irish fashion, that's not going to happen until next year even though we introduced the legislation yes, three yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah. It's always the great thing. There's always a lag, isn't and, it? And, 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 for, and for whatever me, there will be lobbying like yeah. be Jesus. Do you know what's funny, actually? There's always a lag in that kind of stuff, you know, by a year or, or whatever. But then when it comes to putting up the price of smokes or drink, it's always at midnight tonight. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Exactly, because nobody lobbies yeah. on behalf of smokers. <laughs> John, you should. This is the John I'm a non-smoker the, now. The, the, I have the, to. The nicotine association. <laughs> but so to actually look at the look at so, so so think of the whole situation, right? Thirty percent. That sounds like why thirty percent? Why not fifty percent? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like why thirty? Is that to make it sort of passable? Does yeah. it have to say manageable? Because again, what you think is like when you have like let's say for example, I decide even though we don't have a back garden, let's be at a big back garden. Mm. And I decide, okay, I'm going to get a, a little planning permission for a little cottage down the back garden, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And I do that, right? And we're in Dunleary. Like what makes that valuable is the Dart beside us, St. Michael's Hospital yes. beside us. Yeah, yeah. God forbid CBC Monkstown. Make yeah. it valuable beside us. <laughs> There's a little school behind us. Yeah. There's Dunleary Main Street. There's all yeah. the shops. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all what, there. Is, what is made valuable is public investment. Public investment, paid for by the taxpayer. Not the piece of land, but the public investment. And yet, if I were to do that, I'd get all the upside. Yes. And now with a new state, I would get 70% of the upside. Why? Why not 50%? And then there's another way, and this is a fascinating thing. So land capture and changes in rezoning will always create a stream of income as long as the population's going up right? Because land is valuable. Mm. So in the rest of the world, what they do is municipalities take the fact they know they're going to get a stream of income from every time they change a zoning or a permission, and they're going to get revenue from that. And they use that revenue to service a bond. So what they do, I remember years ago when I worked for a Swiss bank, the first time I ever went to Finland was to talk to municipalities. So there were Finnish local authorities mm. that were issuing their own bonds, right, backed by the revenue that came from land capture. And they were building trams and they were building metros and they were building public parks, all that sort of thing. So what they do is like Hong Kong built their metro. Imagine their entire metro system is built from a bond that was raised by the Hong Kong municipality mm. and the interest that they had to pay, the 3 or 4% interest per year, was raised from precisely this, only from the income that accrued to the municipality from planning permissions. Right. right. That's really simple, isn't it? so simple. Yeah. 
Every other European country does this in some shape or form, except Ireland and, of course, Britain, because we copied and pasted British legislation for years and years and years. Mm. This is the great thing I hope Brexit delivers to us, which is like, fuck off with your copying and pasting British ideas, right? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that if Brexit is to mean anything, it's, if, it's, yeah, yeah. if it's to be a liberation from us, it's stop cutting and pasting British ideas. Not because British ideas are any worse. Yeah. But they're no better. Yeah. And it's just lazy. But there is also the, the American factor as well, because we're not oh, cutting American and pasting fa- from there, we're taking it from the yeah, States. Yeah, but why don't we go and look at the Finns or the Dutch or the uh, or anybody yeah. else? But so this, can, this idea in particular... It's so, so obvious. So, yeah, it's so, so, so obvious. And, so, and then what it does then is, it, 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 you know, what I've always thought is, you know, when I look at, you know, county councils around this part of the world, right, and, and local government and municipalities, they're kind of, they're infantilized as political entities because they don't have their own stream of income. Yeah. So what they do then is the way in which local government is financed in Ireland is to go and agitate central government. And what that, of course, does is it turns our politicians into agitators for the locality. So the vast majority of Irish political representation in the Dáil has got nothing to do with national issues in the national parliament, but it's got to do with local politicians saying, can I have a swimming pool? Yes. And, you know, can I have a public park? And so they try to agitate and they try to lobby. So the entire way of government is this bizarre situation where the closer you are to the centre, the more important you get. Now contrast this with Switzerland. Do you know, have you any idea what the name of the Swiss prime minister or president is? No. But you know Emmanuel Macron is the French president. Yes. Right? Yeah. Now, why? Because Switzerland has totally and utterly inverted the power pyramid. So the closer you are to the top, the less power you have. It's really interesting. So the closer you are to the bottom, the more power you have. There's direct democracy. Direct democracy and everything comes from the local municipality and you finance everything locally with local taxes. Yeah. And then what you get is you get highly representative, highly democratic local government, right? Yeah. Now that comes from using land taxes to finance bonds to fuel local development. And at a stroke, what you do is you take away the power of parliament and the power of all the little wannabe dictators in there Mm. and you give it back to the locality. And... Because you're taxing land, you reduce the price of land. And by reducing the price of land, you increase the spec on development so you can actually build with more expensive material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you take away big developers and you have smaller SMEs. So smaller SMEs will always be much better technological transfer. And you've much less lobbying. Why? Because there's much less at stake. Yeah. So that's the price of this land capture idea. And it's there for us. We could do this so easily. And yet, what is happening, it seems to me, is the big boys are not allowing this conversation to even start. So let's have it. Just a quick message to say, why don't you sign up and follow us on Patreon? You get no ads. You get access to our chat community and very soon you will get an entirely new economics course on the history of money and how money operates in the economy. That's going to be out for next month. So join us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Dave McWilliams.